Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Oh, man, what a trip. Okay, so the same math that almost definitely proves other intelligent life had existed, does exist, or will exist, is also kind of... The same reason that we know we'll probably never meet those intelligent non-human life forms. This is all thanks to a guy who loves to ruin parties. His name, Enrico Fermi. Thanks, Fermi. Jeez. How do you explain all the UAPs, Fermi? Huh? Fermi? However you say it. What what about all the visitors we got going on right now? Uh, God, come on. You say it's so paradoxical, man. (laughs) (laughs) I would love, I would actually, man, I would love to get inside from uh, that philosopher on the current thing, like, hey, there's a, there's a, there are multiple militaries across the world that are saying there's something we can't explain out there. What do you think, man? And perhaps even more importantly, folks, what do you think? Let's check it out. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now, or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. And I am Ben today. Hopefully you are still you. Thanks for dropping by. That makes this stuff they don't want you to know. And boy, we've been doing a, been doing a lot of doozies. This is the first time in a while that all three of us have been in the studio together. 
I have returned, everyone. Yes, this is the reality. Tell us of your journeys. Oh, your the journeys. I tell you, gentlemen, uh, being on a naval base, a huge naval base that was once uh, a, a couple of separated institutions that are now all one big thing, it's fascinating going through all the security. Did and- you retrieve the launch codes? Well, the badger's out of the bag. What's the, what's the haps? Beat the badger back into the bag. So, guys, what happened while I was there is I got to watch uh, about 500 young, uh, I guess they're petty officers. They are they all graduated from the nuclear power school mm-hmm. in different varying degrees. Some of them are officers. Some of them will be moving on to go work on a sub. Or they have something. a whole other set of lingo, right, sure. for, uh, for positions in the Navy. Yes, yeah. yes. Right. Yeah, of- these are not... Uh, like shallow bad people, their actual title is petty yes, officer. Yes, petty officer. Yeah, and my brother-in-law, he was the person I went to go see. He actually very much dislikes that title. Uh, but yes, it was it was super cool to see all these guys who are younger than me, who are going to be going and working on just huge nuclear-powered machines that they are going to be essentially running the furnaces, you know, like just making it all happen and running all the systems. Oh, that's pretty cool. I'd like to have that knowledge. Well, th- this brings us to an interesting point. Uh, listeners, we'd love to hear any of your military or naval related stories if you have some experience because it is an entirely different world. Mm-hmm. And it's something that if, if you think there's something hidden or interesting that the average non, uh, non-military member just wouldn't think about or wouldn't know, uh, and, and you'd like the rest of your fellow listeners to hear it, then write to us or, or send us a, a tweet or, um, what, what's the, a Facebook mm-hmm. message. I've got one for you right before we go in. I did not know that most of our country's, uh, nuclear power systems, just the, the ones that generate power, that's mostly run by the Navy. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's true. I, I thought I thought they were simply training people for ships and for submarines and things like that, but it's to maintain the infrastructure of our nuclear power. Speaking of correspondence, and we had some folks write in, and we, we asked if this should go at the beginning or the end. Well, we're going to keep it at the beginning this time and, and see how we feel about it. But, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for our shout-out corner. Shout-out corner. Yes, shout out corner. The moment in the show where every week we go to your comments, your tweets, your communiques, and we attach a shout out, a personal touch to send it back out at you. So today we have several. The first one comes from Eric or at Eric 99, who says every three minutes of the show should have a shout out. And now I need one for myself. So, fair Eric, here is your shout-out. Thank you for the feedback. This was vis-a-vis should the shout-out corner be at the top of the show or the bottom of the show. Mm -hmm. Clearly, Eric is in the former camp. Well, he has gone a third way. Uh, Eric, uh, we'll make a compromise. What what you can do is... Play that shout out part every, every three minutes or every, mm-hmm. every five, whenever you wish. I, I think it'll be tough for us to do a shout out every three minutes. That sounds kind of, um, we'd have to be a live <laughs> show and then it would be confusing. We too. would need a fourth person just to supply all of the shout outs just mm-hmm. while we're going, I think. 
What um, if the shout out, what if we were fueled by shout outs? What if that was the only way we could continue is if <laughs> every three minutes we recharged with a shout out? Oh, I don't know, man. Kind of like that. We've talked about shout outs as currency. Why not shout outs as uh, sustenance? You know, this is, <laughs> yep. this is, I, we're going to tie this in, in a weird way, uh, later on in today's podcast, <laughs> mm-hmm. actually. And, and I love that you point out sustenance. Uh, who's next? You want to go or you want me to go, Matt? The next shout out goes out to Stuart Lucky. Mm. Uh, he sent us an email. We see him all over the place, guys, on our Periscope, mm. uh, sending us messages on our Twitter all the time. Stuart's uh, cool. Stuart's really cool. And he always is interacting with us. So guess what, Stuart? Huge shout out to you. You sent us something about the tiger stripes in the Kumtang Desert in northwest China. It looks really interesting. Have you guys seen an image of this? I've, uh, yeah, I've seen some images. Yeah, it's really cool. He says, could this have something to do with perhaps a Chinese harp system? Right. Maybe, but, uh, the way it looks, Mm. it looks very, very different to me. I would, I, you know, I would love to look into this more and get back. Get back to you on that one. This is like a pattern that you can see in a flyover or something. I don't, I don't know. Right. You can yeah. see it on Google Earth, can't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it can't be that, that secret because as we know, Google Earth will kowtow to, uh, any state level, uh, organization that requests it remove something. Oh, what a nightmare that job must be going mm-hmm. in and scrubbing all the. Yeah, and pixelating it. Yeah. And people, you can probably tell if you know what you're looking at. If you Mm -hmm. find the right spot and you say, wow, these trees or this sand became suddenly 16-bit-ish. Yeah, this is very much a repeating pattern here. So our last, last shout-out is to Ashley Wasner, or Wasner, who suggested we look into the strange noises in the sky that have been documented on video across the world. This is an interesting one. I think a few years ago we had heard about this. Uh, some people had said trumpets in the sky. Yep. Uh, some people had mentioned it, it's tied as well with the idea of the hum or uh, yes. some something of that nature. So these are all great suggestions. We're going to look into these, and thank you for writing to us. If you would like a shout-out, then, as always, drop us a line. We're Conspiracy Stuff on Facebook, Twitter, and we're, uh I don't know, we're kind of all over the Internet nowadays, right? We got the Internet going nuts. And that concludes the Shout-Out Corner. Let's get right into this. Have you, guys, have you, Matt or you, Noel, seen a UFO? I can, I cannot say that I have or not. I do not believe that I have seen a UFO officially. Well, guys, as it happens. What? I have seen what I would consider unidentified to me. And I was not able to identify it after the fact. And it was a very unusual, peculiar shape, uh, that I'm not used to seeing uh, at the, at the height in the sky that I was seeing it. Okay. Um, so. In a past life, uh, I once was a, uh, a poor touring musician, um, with a group of Satanists called the Hell Blinky Sextet. Um, we weren't really <laughs> Satanists, but the name of the band was the Hell Blinky Sextet. Um, they're actually still around and shout out to, uh, Andrew Benjamin and, and all the Hell Blinky folks. They play Dragon Con. They play, uh, they're, they're kind of a steampunk type band. I oh, was, that's cool. I was yeah. sort of a little goth kid, uh, playing the violin with my, uh, with my goatee and my black clothes. Oh my anyway, God, I want to see that. Yeah, well, I can, I, we can post a picture. Um, anywho, 
We were on a tour and we were traveling through the Midwest in a rented van. And, um, you know, it was in Illinois or somewhere. I remember there was a lot of corn, a lot of corn fields. Mm-hmm. I'd never really, um, road tripped in that part of the country before. So I was kind of taking it in and you know, looking out the window. I had a little handy cam back in the day. It was one of the first little HD Sony handy cams. And, um, I was shooting footage out of the window and, um, over the corn fields kind of far into the horizon, I saw what looked like sort of a strange geometrically shaped object. It was, what, it, what kind of shape? it was kind of like a diamond shape, um, or maybe like almost like a, like a trapezoid kind of, I mm. remember it had, it was very angular and it was, um, it was just hovering and it wasn't close. It was clearly very far, but the size that it was. For how, you know, and again, the, the perspective is strange out there when you're in very flat land. It's hard mm-hmm. to kind of judge distance as well. And I wasn't really used to, you know, seeing things in this part of the country. So it was very jarring and I did get it on video. And for whatever reason, I do not have the tape anymore. I know that's sort of likely story, but right. You know, did anyone show up at your house? No, nobody showed up at my house, but uh, they probably just figured that, you know, my dumb self would lose the thing and which I did. And so I was no threat to anyone trying to cover anything up. Well, here's the thing with the men in black. If, if you were in fact visited by them, you would have no recollection. I wouldn't know. Yeah. It's like being roofied. By the men in black. Did the UFO have any lights on it or was it? It was during the day is the thing. So it was in the middle of the day and it, you know, it was just very strange. And the funny thing is I, I've looked even like in the X-Files and in shows like that where they have, uh, photos of supposed UFO sightings. What I saw looked very similar to some of these sightings. And I remember there was an episode in, um, the X-Files, I forget which one it was, where there was some sort of top secret government craft mm-hmm. that would like was really, really fast and it was, you know, setting the ground on fire because it was mm-hmm. so, I remember that one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it, it looked like kind of what one of those would have been, what it would have looked like, but it was really strange. And I, to this day, have not been able to justify, figure out what it was, Dude. Um, you know, very, very, very odd. That's fascinating. And we've had, we've had, especially recently, a lot of people uh, write in to say, Hey guys, here's a story I have. I cannot explain it. But I wanted to tell you about it. And we appreciate those. And maybe um, when we compile enough, we can read them on air and maybe a UFO listener mail episode. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Um, this brought us to a big question we wanted to ask today. And you have maybe asked yourself this before, which is where the heck are all the aliens? Where are all the extraterrestrials? Seems like they would be around, right? Absolutely. So, okay, this is, this is something that blows my mind when you think about it. Whenever we hear people arguing about alien life or extraterrestrial stuff and it's automatically treated as some sort of tinfoil claptrap, uh, those people are not exhibiting, those critics rather, are not exhibiting critical thinking when they say that there are no aliens. We can walk through this because there's this huge paradox, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, given this, this, given the size of the universe, it is, let's just do the numbers. Okay, so the observable universe is about 90 billion light years in diameter. Just the part we can see. Just that part. In that 90 billion light years, there are at least 100 billion galaxies. And planets like the one we live on are pretty common. They're not, they're not rare by any means. 
This means that there are trillions of possibly habitable planets, and this leads us to the number one thing that blows my mind. The odds are on our side with the size of the universe. It is almost completely inevitable that some other form of life exists or did exist or will exist. Here's the downer to this uh, beautiful thought, right? Uh, the same thing that means that aliens definitely exist somewhere, life definitely exists in the universe, also guarantees that these other forms of life um, <laughs> probably won't ever come into contact with us or we won't come into contact with them. Mm-hmm. And and that's a very unfortunate thing, but it just it's because we're so vastly far away. Right. Yeah. So when you look at the odds, uh, think of our area of the universe like a neighborhood. Right. And let's call our neighborhood the Milky Way. So these other life forms may very likely not be in our neighborhood. They might be in a different neighborhood. and. The reason that this sucks so bad for us is because we will probably never get to see them, even if we have great technology, because the universe is expanding. But whenever this stuff comes up in, you know, pop culture tropes and fiction, it's always like the aliens just have to make contact with us because we are so fascinating and great and or awful that they want to annihilate us. Right. <laughs> and that's, you know, from a logical standpoint, there are some disturbing things in there. But get this, like, even if we had an amazingly fast spacecraft, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and even if we somehow had a social organization or a dynamic that allowed us to be in a spacecraft for a long time and not kill each other and reproduce effectively and still be cool about everything, it would still take us billions of years to travel to another Another cosmic neighborhood. Yeah, to another galaxy, right? To mm-hmm. escape. And even if we could escape our galaxy, we're not even exactly sure what we're going to encounter from a physics standpoint leaving a, a galaxy mm-hmm. because there, there are all of these effects uh, on, on gravitational fields and all these other things that when you're inside the safety of even a solar system, when you're trying to escape that, there's there are huge dangers that we possibly haven't even accounted for yet. Right. And let's remember that those dangers would it goes both ways. Another yeah. civilization attempting to come to Earth would also run into those things if it were not from the Milky Way and in between those neighborhoods. It's the deep. It's the ink. Yeah. I mean, it's a very specific set of conditions that give us the you know atmosphere and mm-hmm. the, the gravity that we experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why. Astronauts need such intense equipment when they, you know, even go just outside of our atmosphere. Right. Yeah. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. 
$25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Attention, true crime enthusiast, searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This ties into something else. Let's get weird with it. Let's assume or play a thought game with us, folks. Let's uh, let's imagine that humanity gets its collective junk together. Yeah. Right. We're a family show gets its collective stuff together, cooperates and builds some kind of multi-generational spaceship and arc of sorts. A starship enterprise. Y- yes. Yeah. Essentially, and this thing would be capable of traveling billions of years, and we have detected somehow a signal from a nearby galaxy. And we we say, well, we have the technology to build something that will last billions of years. We're going to take this gigantic leap, and we are going to spend more time than ever in humanity and a conscious pursuit of a single endeavor. Here's the stuff that would happen that we, that would be strange. Even if we survived and had some kind of cohesive social structure, we ourselves would probably evolve along the way due to the exposure, the compromises we'd have to make to this other, uh, this other environment in which we would live, which means that even if everything else went right, and even if there was still some thing, some other intelligent thing to find when we got there, whatever did land and comes out of that spaceship would no longer really be human. 
That's crazy to think about. So for, even for that alone, we wouldn't be there. there. There are ways we could get around it. Let's imagine if we did cryogenics, you know, some kind of hibernation. What if we sent robots, which honestly is probably the, the, yeah. the next step. What if we just sent robots that had our DNA and said, you know, do us a solid and make some of us once yeah. you get to a cool part. Yeesh. Yeah. And they would go, um, yeah, it's a little weird. I don't know. You know no, no, it, it would be great. As long as they didn't have any kind of extensive, uh, historical documentation about humanity, then they would be, well, of course, once we get to this point where we can create an arc, uh-huh. at least in this world that we've created here, perhaps humanity has moved on, uh, from our past aggressiveness and all of that. But that's, that's the strange thing, right, Matt? Like, None of that matters. None of all these very heady scientific fiction type things we've mentioned matter if the destination star explodes, if the civilization perishes, perhaps due to nuclear war, due to some other technology or a gamma ray burst. You know, there um, there's so many more ways this could go wrong than it could ever even go halfway right. Especially what you're saying with the expansion of the universe mm-hmm. and depending on which direction you're going within the universe, how the expansion is occurring, because you have to imagine that's time. Like mm-hmm. if you're traveling billions of years, the way light functions, you know, and the expansion, you you could be the billions of years could be exponentially greater. Mm hmm. Yeah. And that's that's the problem. They're moving goalposts. So let's say if other galaxies are right out, then let's talk a little bit about our neck of the woods. Okay. Let's talk about the Milky Way. So the Milky Way, our galaxy, contains about 400 billion stars, billion with a B. Of that 400 billion, around 20 billion um, look a lot like the sun. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so up to a fifth of these are about 4 billion have planets that orbit within what we call the habitable zone, uh, sort of a Goldilocks kind of vibe. Not too hot, not too cold, mm-hmm. just right. If only 0.1% of those star systems, 0.1% harbor life, um, we'd still be looking at a million planets with some sort of life. And what we have to note on, on in that regard is that when we say some form of life, we're not instantly talking spacefaring civilizations. Yeah. Quite the opposite. No, probably like micro yeah. organisms. Rock faring like microbes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Microbes. Maybe, maybe if we're lucky, some kind of higher order multicellular life. But makes me think of these uh, these little guys called the water bears, tardigrades is what mm-hmm. they're called. Ah, yes. And they, you know, um, scientists froze them and then revived them after, you know, a decade or something like that. Uh, very, very resilient little, little, little guys. Seems mm-hmm. that they can survive space travel even right. w- without a helmet. Yeah. <laughs> Which Just, is crazy. I don't know. If we've got weird <laughs> stuff like this on our planet that's so resilient and that could exist outside of our Again, very specific set of you know right. conditions that we uh, are you know um, kind of built for. I see no reason why this could not exist outside of our you know our world realm, here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's another note, and I'm really I'm really glad you brought that up because we have to assume that we have to factor in age as well as uh, size. Mm-hmm. So the Milky Way is around 13 billion years old. After the first, for the first few billion, it was sort of a bad neighborhood. Stuff was exploding. Yep. Things were smashing together. 
planets like a lot of planets weren't quite planets yet it was it was it people probably or life forms probably didn't live there during the first billion years if they're anything like us because which again that's a tremendous assumption because they would be obliterated so quickly even think about things like the formation of the continents you know and plates just smashing up against one another mm-hmm. you know we don't we haven't really experienced anything like that in our lifetime. It's just we're such a blip. And this idea that you're talking about, about the age, makes me think of things like, you know, the ancient ones, the elder ones. You know, right, like right. And, H.P. Lovecraft yeah, style. Yeah, you know, maybe they're from space. Ah, <laughs> and that's, that's an interesting – okay, yes, we're going to tie this in because Earth is a new kid on the block. Yep. Earth is – uh well, over four billion mm-hmm. years old, which is just nothing. That's that's chump change. This means that way before our planet became a thing, the Milky Way had trillions of chances of opportunities for life to be created, to to uh, for life to exist. And you know, a lot of planets came and went before we ever uh, showed up or moved in. So that means if only one such civilization existed before us and created space travel. This would fundamentally change our understanding of the universe. And, you know, we always think of, because of science fiction, we always think of an alien species that can, uh, that has spacefaring technology as being a future oriented advanced thing. But it may be, to your point, a much older and ancient and eldritch thing. Absolutely. And it certainly would give them the time to have developed a different set of technology or to be more advanced. Because again, you look at the timeline of earth and, um, you know, what we've, what it's taken us to create the technology and the, um, you know, society that we have today. I think if we had a million years to accomplish that stuff, you know, every time I, we talk about this stuff, I think about that game, the massive or mass effect. Have you played mass effect sure. at all or uh-huh. heard about it? Yeah. I don't play games. Okay. Well, all right, Ben, they kicked Ben out of kindergarten because <laughs> he didn't play. That's right. Uh, well, in that, in that game, you, and I think I've talked about this before on here, but we, in that game, once a civilization gets advanced enough to travel a certain distance from their planet, they will encounter this ancient old technology that is massive. And what it can do is tr- essentially, uh, have you jump for, with light speed to a different part of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. But there was an ancient, ancient civilization that created these things in order to traverse the entire galaxy. Is that because the collectors, the harbingers and all that stuff? I don't want to give okay, things okay, away, okay, but, but okay. there is a, yes, there's an ancient civilization. And what you're saying, Ben, in here is that let's say that one of those really did exist in the Milky Way, a civilization that could do that. If, if it was true and in the real world, uh, and they built these ships capable of taking, you know, thousand year long trips to get to one part of the galaxy to the other and then build this huge technology. It would take millions and millions of years to achieve some of these things, to colonize the entire galaxy or to at least visit the entire galaxy. Which means then that if this, if some ancient civilization existed, uh, there would be there, there would be time, enough time if they were around. Mm-hmm. Again, this is such a tremendous house of cards. Yeah, so much conjecture. Is, yeah. Um, that the question would be, where are they? 
And that is the million dollar, or shall we say the billion light year question, originally posed by the legendary physicist Enrico Fermi. This is the Fermi paradox. If everything we know about the Milky Way and the larger universe assures us that other forms of life are likely, if not near inevitable, then why have we not found any? Why have we not found one? There are a few possibilities. You guys want to laundry list them? Yeah, maybe it's just extremely difficult for life itself to begin. We we don't really know exactly the mechanisms that make life occur on a planet. We know non-living thing. Yes, we we know that there are uh, situations which are extremely beneficial, like being in the habitable zone uh, near a star and Mm -hmm. having an atmosphere and all of these other things. But, you know, getting an atmosphere is a huge ordeal in, in its own. Right. Or then maybe uh, it's just really, really difficult for life to evolve past a certain point. So to like the earlier point you made, Noel, maybe most aliens are single-celled, relatively primitive organisms. So maybe the entire universe, like the Milky Way, used to be uh, a lot more dangerous to life, just made it unsustainable. But imagine a past that's filled with gamma ray bursts and exploding stars and black holes, wandering black holes, radiation, all kinds of uh, existential threats, hmm. you know, or yeah. or uh, just go back to the earlier note about evolution. Maybe we just haven't gotten to the next big evolutionary hurdle. We haven't gotten over it. Uh, it's possible, I guess, that we could invent technology that has species ending consequences, uh, nuclear weaponry, which we already have, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Could render. What could go wrong? Uh, let's see. Well, <laughs> it could render the entire planet completely uninhabitable. Might not even take something as uh, immediate as a nuclear weapon. We could just do it to ourselves with, you know, climate change and, you know, pollution. Uh, and things The right like kind that. of weaponized disease. Yeah. Absolutely. Or Absolutely. maybe Alphabet or another big company hundreds of years mm. from now will invent uh, essentially what is a new species through technology that can then uh, or yeah. will have to take over for us once organic life can exist. Or maybe hundreds of months. Oh, God. Uh, that's Yeah, this goes into something that um, the machine consciousness thing is something that uh, we. I'm glad you mentioned because we're, we're going to get into that too. Uh, here's the scariest one in my opinion. What if another highly sophisticated uh class three kind of civilization does exist able to traverse the galaxy uh, with technology such that not only is it uh, not only does it seem part of the natural world to us, mm-hmm. but it is godlike. And what if this civilization seeks out life forms that uh, evolve past a certain point, you know, whatever that point may be, mm-hmm. maybe before you find whatever, magic technology it is that allows you to traverse space uh, and what if it destroys them yeah out of self-preservation i mean you don't want anyone else coming out and and destroying your ships or fighting over resources i mean maybe that could really be a thing mm-hmm. and and the other factor here of course is time as we mentioned previ- in a previous podcast about contacting aliens the likelihood of other life forms is existing is 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 high. It's very high. But the likelihood of them existing at the same time as our life forms is likely much, much lower just because there's so much time involved. Guys, I've got one more possibility. Okay. Um, this is something that um, Noel and uh, our guests on some previous podcasts have kind of talked about, and I can't remember if it made it on the air, but um, 
let's, okay, Noel, maybe you should explain it. What if all biological entities are just stepping stones to another phase of evolution entirely, like machine minds or created life? Uh, This is fascinating to me because it certainly feels like space is not the the right uh, environment for biological life, right? There are a lot of things and processes that we do, that we have to do in order to maintain our existence as a human or as any biological living thing that just aren't conducive to an environment that's enclosed, like in a spaceship or something like that. Mm I don't know. Well, it's painful for the human ego, I'm sure, but it may well be true. You know, what is, what is more within the reach of our species? Is it to modify ourselves and our issue such that we are better adapted to interstellar exploration or is it closer within our reach? You know, are we, are we the, uh, primates that give way to the next step? Are we the, bacteria that are, you know, are we the unicellular organism that creates something multicellular? You know, it's, yeah. it's strange to, because we tend to think that we are the, the masters. End. Yeah. yeah like, the end result, mm-hmm. the masters of our own evolution that, uh, the, there was a poem you and I got close to quoting a few podcasts ago, the uh, master of my fate, the captain of my soul. Was it black as the night that covers me? Or dark as the night that covers me, black as pitch from pole to pole. I thank whatever God may be for my unconquerable soul. I can't, a resquiat, I think it's called, but, uh, that's, it's a very human thing. Mm-hmm, you sure. know what I mean? Uh, and it may not be true. The, I- the idea of being somewhere low on the evolutionary chain is almost like as incomprehensible as imagining what it's like to, to be dead. To not exist, mm. you know, like try to wrap your, just think about like what, it, what, what, what does it feel like to not experience to, to, you know, I mean, it's, you it can't, you can't do it. Right. Because the thought itself is yeah. an experience. And so to me, like to think of what would it be like to evolve beyond myself, beyond, beyond what I am, the equipment that I have mentally, physically, mm. any of that. Still it's very incomprehensible. Yeah. It's the old question of if we make. If we make robotic, uh, like hard drive copies of us, if we scan our brains and our personalities with a fidelity such that they would be an exact copy, you know, does that, is that us? And if so, what are we? But now it's time for us to get to, uh, something that hopefully listeners, ladies and gentlemen, friends and neighbors, uh, you will enjoy as well. We are going to talk about whether despite all these all these things all these numbers all these statistics we have looked at we are going to talk about whether there's any evidence something like an alien or extraterrestrial has visited earth but first a word from our sponsor Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. 
Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Attention, true crime enthusiast, searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Here's where it gets crazy. This is this is an even bigger question. Have aliens visited Earth? Let's, let's talk about UFOs, because we're not the first people to ask this question. Oh, no, 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 no. The, this is a huge question that's been around since, I guess, since we've been looking at the stars. Really, and trying to understand what the heck they are. What is that giant glowing thing that How makes does it that warm? Do? Yeah, um, we've been wondering, like, what put that there? How did that get there? Is it something that some outside force did? Can I go to there? <laughs> Can that go to me? You yeah, know? yeah. Very, very simple questions that are actually pretty big. Um, so, if we look at, if we kind of zoom through the the human histories, mm. we get to an, a time right after World War II. When there were a lot of sightings of things in the sky, a lot of times at night, sometimes during the day, uh, that appeared a bit strange, out of the ordinary, that regular old Joes like you and me, Noel and Ben, just look up and go, huh, that's weird. So the Air Force decided they were going to look into these things, UFOs in particular. They began in 1948, and it was uh, a thing they called Project Sign, where they were looking at sightings of UFOs and just kind of collecting as much data as they could on them, trying to see if they could explain them through uh, means like a balloon in the air or a test going on with an aircraft, uh, even things such as lightning or, you know, uh, lights in the sky. Mm-hmm. And then in... Let's see, that was called Project Sign. 
And it was then they changed the name to Project Grudge, which was a kind of a separate project where they were going through and essentially trying to debunk the findings of Project Sign or just to explain all of them away because there were there were a couple things, a couple uh, sightings that were considered unexplained still. Mm-hmm. And then in 1953, it kind of had its third little iteration, which became a thing that you probably have heard of and we've talked about before on the show called Project Blue Book. Not to be confused with the Kelly Blue Book. Right. Or nor, Project Bluebeam. Nor the blue books that you perhaps were issued when you had to do writing tests. True. So uh, this became Project Blue Book in 1953, but they were all pursuing similar things in different ways. Yes. And between 1948 and 1969, the Air Force investigated 12,618 reported UFO sightings. Mm-hmm. And in this report that talks about the findings of Project Blue Book, Grudge and Sign, and uh, Noel, could you read that? Of these total sightings, 11,917 were found to have been caused by material objects such as balloons, satellites, and aircrafts, immaterial objects such as lightning, reflections, and other natural phenomena, astronomical objects such as stars, planets, and the sun and moon, weather conditions, and hoaxes. As indicated, only 701 reported sightings remain unexplained. Great job, Noel. I would object to the language that guy uses, however, because only 701, that's is sort of true. Right? That, well, it's not sort of. That, there's no reason for me to add um, some kind of crappy modifier words to that. That's absolutely attempting to unsuccessfully, in my opinion, uh, bury the lead. Yeah, downplay it like crazy in this official report. So what were their official conclusions? Okay, so they had three official conclusions. One, no UFO reported, investigated, and evaluated by the Air Force has ever given any indication of threat to our national security. That's a big word. You know that word. Very important. National security. There has been no evidence submitted to or discovered by the Air Force that sightings categorized as unidentified present technological developments or principles beyond the range of present-day scientific knowledge. And three, there has been no evidence indicating that sightings categorized as unidentified are extraterrestrial vehicles. And then uh, in 69, they terminated the project, right? Yes, that's correct. And I think I think it was President Carter that wanted to kind of start back up Blue Book, not necessarily the Project Blue Book itself, but he wanted uh, the Air Force to look into un- unidentified flying objects again, and right. they turned him down. Because they said, he saw one. Well, yes, because he saw one, and I guess he just thought it was a good idea, but the Air Force looked back at these reports and just said, nah, we're not going to do that. That's something that... We hear often enough uh, every time a president is newly elected, not reelected, but newly elected. Clinton, uh, right? Clinton was one. Uh, I think Bush may have made one of the Bushes had made some statements about it. Mm-hmm. Probably W, probably not HW, given his past in the CIA. Uh, Barack Obama had mentioned it. Numerous presidential nominees will say, I will look into this and – Whatever they find out, you know, has not been published, which goes to the idea of the disclosure project. 
let's also talk about, since we, we talked about the idea of this vast chronological scale, let's explore the um, conversations people have about ancient alien visitations, the legends of someone landing from afar, the, the tie-ins with biblical creatures such as the Nephilim who fell from the sky and taught man agriculture while also sleeping with as many people as they could, right? Uh, so, or the Nephilim rather, let me amend that. The Nephilim were the result of those yes. sorts of unions. So you will often hear, ladies and gentlemen, arguments that these are, these stories, these oral histories that were later written down are evidence of some other life form from beyond the stars jumpstarting human evolution or human social evolution. I, I have to admit, I kind of like these stories, at least the idea underlying these stories, Hmm. because when you if you think about it logically, you kind of get lost and you start doubting that this could ever be true. But when you I like the ideas of time and how large our galaxy is and how long it's been around Mm -hmm. and how relatively young the Earth is. I like the idea that perhaps there was some mass Massive, um, intelligent, perhaps even technological life that, that existed in the universe or even in our galaxy that somehow seeded our planet. And I, I really like the, uh, I think that's kind of what the story is in Ridley Scott's latest, uh, Aliens franchise film. Yeah, that actually came to mind. A lot of this stuff just about like, you know, the engineers in that film seem to be sort of like a next stage of our evolution. So yeah, this is, this is a good topic because I was, uh, I was planning to bring this up as well. The theory of panspermium is a horrible name, but it is probably one of the biggest potential discoveries that we can make along with tracing the origin or figuring out the providence of the wow signal, uh, which, you know, of course is the, uh, one of the most anomalous signals uh, received from space. Uh, we have done an episode, uh, touching on that. You can check it out where we talk about alien contact, the idea of microbial alien life coming to earth. The idea of this panspermia theory is, uh, in many ways, a, a plausible ancient alien idea. And it seems, um, when I say plausible, I mean comparatively plausible. It seems that this could be in the cards. Uh, if there were an extraterrestrial higher order being that came to Earth in sometime in the ancient past, uh, I believe that most civilizations or researchers would want everyone to know about it. If, however, they came during a modern time somehow, I believe that there would be an air of secrecy just given the um given the fact that we live in a globally connected world in which many state actors and corporations are in constant dirty competition but in in this alien ancient alien theory it would be that perhaps they visited before humanity had evolved into a conscious it, mind into right into a hunter gatherer mm-hmm. situation because the the idea would have been that Instead of being capable of learning on their own, early Homo sapiens had somebody appear out of the sky and plant and teach them how to plant things. Uh, the clearly, you know, longtime listeners, uh, you know that I have personally quarreled with this because I think there's a lot of institutionalized racism 
in ancient alien theories. I'll spare everyone the conversation I bring up when this stuff happens just to say, you know, if you hear someone tell you that there's no way ancient Egyptian civilization could have made the pyramids, don't just believe them. Look into the vast amount of research people have done about recreating them. So uh, at this point, I don't know, where else do you want to go with this? Uh, I would just say that if you're, you've probably already seen everything that you could ever see about ancient alien theory through the History Channel or H2 or basically by turning on your television and being near those channels. Um, you'll, you probably learned everything about the Nazca lines. We've covered that before. We don't, I don't think we need to go back over it. We've covered the Viamanas, the flying machines in ancient Indian epics. I'd like to look into those in more depth at some point. I think that's fascinating. It warrants its own, its own podcast because, uh, listeners, if you're familiar with this, this is the idea that, uh, in ancient Indian civilizations, there were flying machines that were invented and that there was actually something very close to an ancient nuclear war. So we can check that one out, uh, for sure. I, I don't know, but see, also that doesn't necessarily Necessarily mean that aliens did it. It's sure, it could be man. Ancient civilization did it, and we're just caught in this cycle of building nuclear weapons and then destroying civilization, and then building nuclear weapons and then destroying civilization. Uh, the argument of great filters that mm. civil that alien civilizations tend to self destruct before they ever get to the point where they could communicate with other people seems pretty likely. Well, that's all I've got. Certainly something we see, you know, repeating itself even in the short, relatively short history of our own planet. Mm-hmm. You know, great civilizations kind of crumbling and then being replaced. Ooh, and that's a, that's a scary thing too. How, how foolish would it sound to an outside civilization to land right after some devastating war and to say, well, these, this group of animals was this group of biological life forms was close to getting into interstellar travel, but because their tribes didn't get along, Mm -hmm. they killed everybody. They didn't have like a fight club thing with like two leaders duking it out. No, they said everybody dies and the fish are like us too. And they're like, yes, (laughs) because you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Cosmically speaking too bad. Right. And, and when we, when, when we think about this, how, how strange this could be, it also brings up, a, a very specific thing that um, you just reminded me of, No, I, if you think about the rise and fall of empires, many historians have tried to trace this to find a pattern to the cycle, right? A frequency even. And if you look at the empire that is currently the United States, it's anomalous right now. And while, you know, we as people don't, haven't there's no one who's been alive as long as the u.s has that we know of uh so it seems like it's stable and it seems like it's solid but uh, it's early days yet yeah that's just because we're inside of it and how long will it continue will it be will it be around when uh when we see some sort of alien civilization when humanity or humanity's uh, successors strike out to the stars Let us know what you think, folks. Uh, Let us know if you think there have been instances of alien contact. Let us know if you think we'll ever find it. Let us know if you think space is a place for biological entities like us, or if we are just here to sort of be the midwives for a new form of life. 
And that's the end of this classic episode. If you have any thoughts or questions about this episode, you can get into contact with us in a number of different ways. One of the best is to give us a call. Our number is 1-833-STDWYTK. If you don't want to do that, you can send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com.